know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin Addison's here on American Family Radio, and you are listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. I'm uh, happy to be able to talk to you today. Uh, the topic that I'm going to talk about today, I, I feel like it's uh, a very good reminder, good encouragement for those who are in the body of, of Christ, you know, those who name the name of Christ. Uh, I'm hoping that what I have to say today will be an encouragement. But first, I want to go through some announcements that we have. Uh, email us at addisons at AFR.net. Addisons at AFR.net. You can follow us on Facebook. Search Erin Addisons and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can search Erin Addisons. And I've been informed that our YouTube channel is back up. So you can watch the broadcast live there as well as on Facebook. Also, if you miss a show, you can find the archive shows at AFR.net slash podcast slash airing the Addisons. And so if you miss a show, you can go ahead and um, catch up there. Uh, Remember to sign up for the AFA streaming and just go to streaming.afa.net. And make sure you download the AFR app in your app store. The Marriage Family Life Conference will be July 7th to the 9th in Tupelo, Mississippi, the Bancorp South Arena. Registration is now open. First 400 registrants. And I've been informed that there's still you still can use the discount code. You still can use the code um, EARLYBIRD22 for 25% off. So make sure you go to marriagefamilylife.net to register for MFL22. I'm looking forward to it. So many people uh, have been registering and um, expecting a lot more. And uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm thinking about the speakers that we have, man. And also the speakers, we have some speakers that's going to be concentrating on the youth apologetics track as well. And so it's, it's just going to be just a great time So for the whole family. Remember that, the whole family. Uh, so parents, children, ages 4 to 17, come on. Man, we're going to have a good time. We're going to get equipped, encouraged by one another. MarriageFamilyLife.net to register for, M- for MFL 22. And also, if you have a desire to have a clear and concise teaching on a biblical response to critical race theory, go to resources.afa.net. You can pick up a two-part teaching done by Miki Addison on that topic. Uh, just a, a great resource for you to have. And visit the By Design Facebook page and also uh, the web page for By Design is afa.net slash by design. So, you know, there's that's a lot of things that, that's happening in the world. Um, you know, just on our news break just now, it was talking about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we know that in this country, there's just so much, so much happening and as a believer, we have to 
take those things and say, Lord, where are we? Where are we? Because there are some things that that have has to come to pass, you know, um, uh, before Christ comes. And man, you can look at some of these events that's happening around the world, happening in this country, and say, man, look, we're getting close. We are getting close. And so, with that in mind, I, I wanted to to um, encourage us as the body of Christ with a with a few thoughts here. And as I was thinking about this, I, I started to think about family. Family. You know, our middle name here is family. The American Family Association. American Family Radio. And so uh, that's important, not only to us, but also to God. And we know that the first uh, institution that God installed was the family, was marriage, family. We see that back in Genesis. And the significance for us as Christians is foundational for us in understanding the heart of God. All throughout the scriptures, you see this language of family. It's very, very important from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And even when you look at at the the children of Israel, the people of Israel, how uh, you can see this one begat this one and this one begat this one, the lineage it's important with family, with tribe. All these things are, are very, very important. And God is our loving father that gave his only begotten son so that we could be saved, set free from sin, adopted in the beloved family of God and given the family name and trade, the ministry of reconciliation. We have a family trade. We have a work to do as believers in Jesus Christ. And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And because of the importance of family, the enemy fights hard to destroy what God created. And that gives us a clear picture of Christ and the church. So marriage, family, the enemy hates it because done well and done right under the standard of God, we get this picture of Christ and the church in the marital union. And so the enemy is always trying to mar that and and distort it. But here are some uh, stats pertaining to marriage and family. As far as economics go, states with the highest share of married parent families are better off than states with the lowest share of such families. They have $1,451 more in per capita GDP. 10.5% 10.5% more upward mobility for low-income children, a 13.2% decrease in child poverty, and $3,654 more in median family income. So that's something about family that boosts the economy and boosts uh, economics. And, and, and your situation, you know, is better when there's an intact family. The proportion of married parents in a state is a top indicator of economic outcomes. The share of married parents, the researchers note, is generally a stronger predictor of economic mobility, child poverty, and median family income than are the educational, racial, and age compositions of the state. So if you have intact families, intact families, and I'm speaking about economics, it's better off. The research shows 
that there's more uh, mo- mobility, there's less child poverty, and it's better, the, 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 the numbers yield better results than educational excess, racial, and uh, age compositions of the United States, of the states. So violent crime is far lower, far lower in states with a greater share of married parent families. A lot of the violence that we're seeing is being perpetrated by young people, young men who are growing up in homes where their family is not intact. Is that everyone? No, but that's a, that's a large percentage. You will find homes primarily without the father there. And so you have more violent crimes. But violent crime is far lower in states with a greater share of married parent families. On average, the rate of violent crime is 343 times per 100,000 population in states with the highest quintile of married parent families, compared to an average rate of 563 crimes per 100,000 in states with the lowest quintile of married parent families. So you have higher rates of violence in states that have uh, they don't have the married parent family. They don't have a lot of, of that going on. So it, it affects the economy. Man, it, it affects safety. And God knows what he's doing. He's wise. He instituted this uh, because he is wise. He understands how human nature works. He created us. <laughs> so he knows what we need. Uh, the effect in children. Children raised in single-parent homes are uh, by the stats, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, exhibit poor social behaviors, and commit violent crimes. They're also more likely to drop out of school. So that's something that God has set up within a home that when it's intact and under God, man, there's, there's thriving, that's flourishing, right? Good things happen. But when that is broken, when it's disintegrated, man, we have all kinds of problems that come out of that. Marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. 80%. And marriage remains America's strongest anti-poverty, anti-crime, pro-health institution. It's an undeniable fact that the best chances for financial success, emotional well-being, and good health for both parents and children happen when parents are married and families are intact. So this whole thing of family is important to God because of what we talked about, but also for practical reasons. If you want to thrive, if you want to be uh, economically sound, marriage is a key component to that. So we see the practical benefits of God's design for marriage. And it's amazing because this is a common grace, meaning that an unsaved married couple, if they adhere to God's design, can also experience these benefits. They can also experience these economic benefits, even if they are not Christian. Now, we want them to be in Christ, of course, you know, but this is a common grace. And because of sin, we have perverted and distorted God's design. And some of the confusion and problems that stem uh, from not esteeming God's standard is infidelity, Abuse, unbiblical divorce, unbiblical remarriage, children born outside of marriage, 
blended families. Now, I'm going to talk about that. And abortions. Because I mentioned blended families. In fact, uh, I want to explain why I put that link there. Uh, we are all s- sort of blended into the family of God, right? None of us was born with God as our father or Jesus as our brother. That was something that was done by the grace of God that we've been uh, adopted into the beloved family of God. Our father was the devil. But because of what God, our father, what he did and his great love, he sanctified us through his son that we can be saved. So the Bible says that we've been adopted now into the family of God, no longer a child of the devil. So we've all been grafted in, right, through, through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17 says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heir, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. That's Romans chapter eight, verse 12 to 17. Also, it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Galatians chapter four, verse four through seven. This is the family thing. And God has brought us close to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're in the family of God. And we're going to talk more about this uh, family thing because we need to be encouraged in the day that we are living in, that we're going to need each other in the body of Christ. We're going to need each other like never before. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and I'll be back right after this. Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and uh, we're talking about family today, family today. That's Mahalia Jackson with Take My Hand, Precious Lord. Um, it's going to be very, very important that we identify who 
is in the family. And when I speak of family, you know how we, we talk here in Aaron and Addison's. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we can have family members who are biological family members who are not Christians that we don't have much in con- and, uh, co- much contact with. Uh, much to, to compare, you know, our, our stories and what's going on with us. M- not much in common, you know, things. And so we have to understand that our family, which is the family of God, is first and foremost. And so we're going to talk more about that. And I was getting into some scriptures that kind of lay out the family uh, language that's in the Bible. We talked about Romans chapter 8, uh, then Galatians chapter 4, but also Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verse 5, it says, uh, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, that we've been adopted into this family of, of God. And also, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We're part of the family because of this. So now we are part of the family of God. We all are made new in Christ. We have the same daddy, (laughs) you know. Uh, He's God, no matter if we are in America, China, Russia, Iran. If we have submitted our lives to Jesus Christ, we have the same father, It doesn't matter. We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's something that we got to understand. Even as the world tries to divide us in America based on skin color, based on, you know, uh, social economic status to be in Christ. We are family. No matter if you are a billionaire, you know, no matter who you are, we are if you are in Christ, we are family. And so it's a beautiful family thing. But now that we have this established, I want to speak just a moment about family expectations. So it's getting darker and darker in this world. And as uh, things heat up, and we often say in our, fellow, our local fellowship, we are going to need each other. You see, the enemy wants to divide us because it's easy to conquer a people who are divided. But now is not the time for division, bitterness, quarreling among the saints. Like we have to be unified. And I believe things will get worse. Um, And we had better know where we can go when things heat up. You got to know where you can go when things getting, getting hot. We are going to need uh, to we're going to need to to be close. We're going to need to be transparent, not less transparent, more transparent with, with each other, you know, sharing with e- each other, more loving. You know, not less loving, but more loving. We're going to uh, seek our own less, not more, be less self-absorbed, but more thinking about others. We're going to have to be less guarded against our brothers and sisters, not more guarded. And the push is that we would not trust anyone, be guarded against our brothers and sisters because, you know, we don't know. Maybe they have partiality issues and things like that. The world is trying to push in on the church big time. 
And we're at the time where we have to be closer, not pulled apart, but closer to each other. We have to be more trusting of those in our local fellowships, not less. The world around us will point to the Christians as the problems to be dealt with. That's what we call persecution. And we see it happening and even on the horizon that the world will point at Christians and say, those are the problems. They need to be dealt with. They're, they're going to be saying that the Christians adhere to that book that calls homosexuality a sin. That's a problem for the world. They don't like that. They're going to say uh, the Christians are the ones saying there is only one way to God. They don't agree with that. Uh, they'll say the Christians are the racists for not embracing our agendas and ideologies. They will say that the Christians are the haters of their fellow man. It's going to happen more and more. Look at some of these. These are older headlines, but just listen to these headlines. Evangelical leaders condemn role of Christian nationalism in capital attack. Another one, religious nationalism and the coronavirus pandemic. Soul-sucking Evangelicals and branch Covidians make America sick again. Another one, white evangelicals resist COVID-19 vaccine, most among religious groups. Another one, white Christian America needs a moral awakening. And I remember this one. We, we talked about this a while back on, on the show. Uh, Tim Gill, who's a homosexual mega donor, <laughs> uh, he said that about Christians, we're going to punish the wicked. In his mind, the wicked are the Christians. That's amazing. He said, we're going, we, we're going into the hardest states in the country, Mr. Gill said, according to an interview published by Rolling Stone. Uh, we're going to punish the wicked. So you have this homosexual mega donor calling Christians the wicked. I'm telling you. This is going to be on the increase. I recently talked uh, about something that's happened in, in Finland. So there's a, a, a politician who, who is under, she's, in, she's going to be in trial. She's going to be um, tried because of basically her belief in God. Her name, her last name is Rasinen. She's the Finnish, Finnish MP, and they're saying that she's using hate speech. So she's going to be on trial. And listen to this. So the prosecutors accuse Rossinen of making derogatory comments on three occasions, including in a 2019 tweet showing verses from the Bible. And Ms. Rossinen denies the charges and says that she stands behind her words. The case is being seen as a test of whether personal religious beliefs can justify controversial language. Announcing the charges in April last year, Finland's state prosecutor said Ms. Rossinen had made comments likely to cause intolerance, contempt, and hatred towards homosexuals. The charges relate to comments she made on three separate occasions. 
In an article published online in a radio interview and in a 2019 tweet, which included a photograph of an extract from the Bible. In the tweet, she questioned why the Finnish Lutheran Church was officially supporting Finland's Pride Week. So she was questioning, why is the the Lutheran Church here supporting Pride Week? That's a great question that a Christian should be able to ask. So the attached photograph contained verses from the Bible, which appear to describe homosexual acts as shameful. (laughs) So she's in trouble for this. It says the court will have to decide whether citing the Bible can be considered a crime in some cases in Finland. And it goes on, according to prosecutors, an online article by Ms. Rossinen, which was published in 2004, described homosexuality as a psychosexual development disorder. So she's in trouble for that. The politician who was Finland's interior minister from 2011 to 2015 arrived at court holding a Bible and said that she was honored to be defending freedom of speech and religion. This is what she said. I hope that today it can become clear that I have no wish to offend any group of people, but this is a question of saving people from for eternal life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. However, prosecutors say that Ms. Rossinen's state- statements violate the equality and dignity of homosexuals and therefore go beyond the limits of freedom of speech and religion. In court, they argued that the case should be based on the secular legal system, not the writings of the Bible. And although the charges against Ms. Rossinen could technically lead to a prison sentence, prosecutors have asked that she receive a fine relative to her income. But there's also a Lutheran bishop uh, who belongs to an independent conservative Lutheran church. He's facing charges for publishing one of Ms. Rossinen's articles. So you have this politician, this, this MP, she's in trouble for the statements that she made and, and putting a picture of a Bible uh, scripture on Twitter. But then this bishop is in trouble for uh, publishing one of her articles. It's amazing. Look, I'm telling you, this type of stuff is going to be on the increase. This world is becoming more and more hostile. Solace cannot be found in political parties, now listen closely, or government protections. We have to have each other's back and protect each other. Look, am I saying politics don't have a place? No, I'm not saying that. We need to be informed, understand what what we need to know as far as voting and all of that. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, we're going to need each other as the body of Christ because there won't be any policy or politician that's going to be able to save us from the attacks of the enemy that want to silence the Christian. That's the thing. They don't want to hear from us. Do we understand this? They want us to be silent. They are convicted by the word of God. And so they have to get rid of those who are preaching the word, sharing the gospel. They don't want us around. 
We cannot be a friend of the world. It's impossible. Jesus already laid it out. They hated him, so they're going to hate us. We need to get used to it. Our families have to know each other. We have to check up on each other. We have to care for each other more now than ever before. This is a call out for the people of God that, man, in your local fellowships, know who's there with you. Like make relationships, you know, pray together. And when you look at the uh, first century church, when you look um, in the book of Acts chapter four, we know Peter and John, um, they were being persecuted. They were preaching the gospel. And some of the things that they were saying was, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. They were preaching the gospel, but they were, they were being persecuted. And so they were told not to preach in this name, in the name of Jesus. And they said, look, we can't do that. We only can talk about what we both seen and heard. But they were persecuted. And the Bible says in chapter 4 of Acts, starting at verse 21, And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them. On account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. A miracle happened, they couldn't refute it. But they wanted to kind of punish them and, and persecute them. But this is it. In verse 23, it said, when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, and then they prayed. But what I want to uh, focus on, they, they got released after being told, don't talk in his name and being threatened. They went back to their own companions. See, you got to know what a prayer spot is, man. <laughs> you got to know what the believers are. Because when it gets hot out there, man, we go back to our family. We go to our family. The enemy's scheme, one of his schemes today is to make us divided. And if we're divided and the pressure comes, a lot of times we're going to be out there on the island. Who are we going to go to? Who are we going to pray with? If I can't get with my brother or sister in Christ, man, what else is there? Then there's another time with Peter. He was arrested, right? And this miraculous thing happened where he was set free by an angel. And, man, it was miraculous. And he found his way back to the people of God. And I'm going to talk about that more after the break. But we have to know who among us is of the faith. We have to know who we can go to, who we can pray with while the world is trying to divide us and say, no, you know, you guys need to hate each other. Look what they did. Look what this person did. Man, we got to push past that and say, no, I need my brother. I need my sister. Like we have to be unified because the enemy wants to silence the voice of the believer. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will. We'll be back right after this.
on every side I see a lot. One of the reasons that transition is so hard in your life is because everybody lost something. And it is in that context. This is crazy. It is in the context of loss. If you ask me how I got here, how did I survive? This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesday with Will. Man, we're just talking about family. You know, it's so important that we uh, esteem the family of God, that we don't give up meeting together. That's why, man, that's so sinister for us to uh, not be able to meet together. You know, it hurts the body. It hurts us as uh, individual Christians when we can't link up with other brothers and sisters, you know, uh, physically and be able to pray and hold hands and, and hug and all those things. Man, it's, it's a sinister, it's a sinister thing that the, the enemy use, you know, to, to bring distance between the body of Christ. And so, man, we have to make sure that we are getting together, that we are, you know, going house to house, that we are praying with one another, having Bible studies and fellowships and, and checking up on each other because it's getting hot out there. And the hotter it gets, man, the more we're going to need each other. Before uh, the break, I was talking about Peter, how God uh, set him free from prison. You know, it was a miraculous thing. And when he got out, uh, it says in, in verse 12 of chapter 12, and when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary. So Peter is released. So he went straight to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Man, Peter knew this. He knew at this time they were at the spot, man. They were praying. <laughs> That's it. That, he went directly there. He said, when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the, the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. So that's funny right there. So the saints are praying and no doubt they're praying for Peter, you know, and God sets him free and he's at the gate. But they can't believe it. <laughs> you know, they said, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. But she kept insisting that it was so they kept saying is it his angel like they, they're praying they're gathered together and they're praying but in the answer to their prayers right there but you know they can't believe it whoa but peter continued knocking and when they had opened the door they saw him and were amazed but my uh, motioning uh, to them with his ha hand to be silent he described to them how the lord had led him out of the prison and he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place, probably another press spot. Look, I'm telling you, you got to know where to go when it's hot. Right. Peter, the angels set him free. He gets out of prison. He goes straight to John Mark's mom's house, Mary, where many were gathered. He get he get there and, you know, knock on the door. Rhoda hears his voice and don't open the gate, but she just go run and tell everybody, you know, she's excited. They can't believe it. You know, and finally, when they come to their senses, they go and they're like, man, 
They're amazed. Like, what? And he tells them what happened. He, he said, report this. And then he goes somewhere else. Man, on to the next place so I can report what God is doing. Look, when things happen, as things heat up, we're going to have to know where we can go, where the, where the saints are praying, you know, where the saints are gathered. And if we don't have real relationships in our churches, we won't know this. There's no way. Look, I've gone to church where I didn't know anyone. I went really to appease my conscience and I felt like, you know, I, I needed to be in the, in the church. But I didn't really have a relationship with any other person in that church. I was going. And how many of us are in that same place where we go to church because we know it's right and it's good. We should go. We don't want to forsake going to church. But that's it. See you tell, see you Wednesday. See you next Sunday. But there's no in-between relationship. That's not how God is meant for the body of Christ to be. We have to know each other. We have to love each other. One last example of having companions and, and knowing where to go is in the book of Daniel. When King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he said he was going to kill all the wise men. If there wasn't a, a wise man to tell him his dream and give the interpretation, he was going to kill them all. And so Daniel and his companions, look, they were part of the wise men. <laughs> they would have been ones on the chopping block. And so Daniel heard about this and he was like, man, he said, you know, look, we got to do something. Then Daniel replied, this is Daniel uh, chapter two, verse 14. Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard. So, you know, he heard the news that, man, the wise men are going to be killed. They can't tell me my dream and give me the interpretation. I want both. Or they're, or they're all dead. So he uh, replied with discretion and discernment uh, to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. So he was on his way. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time. Give me some time, king, in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. So look at Daniel. Talk about wisdom. He's like, man, this is an urgent thing, man. He's he's. It's off with all of our heads. So he inquired of some time. Oh, give me some time. And look what he did with the time that he had. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Y'all might know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but this, 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 these were their Hebrew names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So he went to his friends about the matter so that they might request compassion from God of heaven, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel knew where to go. Do you know where to go when, it, when it's hot in your life, when things are happening, when there's a threat? Do you have a body of believers that you can say, man, I'm going over, man, I'm going to holler at Will. I know Will going to pray with me. 
We need that. And it's a sad thing for us to be out here on islands when we have so many other believers, like real believers. And that the enemy is trying to divide us. Daniel requested time so that he can get with his friends and pray. Man, those relationships, we need them. We need them. We have to know what a prayer spot is. We have to know what a true brethren are. Oh, we are charged with the family trade. So we can't stop doing. But we must realize that as we do, our father's work is going to get hotter and hotter. Why is this? Well, the world convicts, the word convicts of sin. John 3 says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. We live in a, in a world where there's evil and evil men and evil doers, and they don't like the light. They hate the light because why? Because their deeds are evil. They don't want to be exposed. So when you have Christians in a place of darkness, man, darkness don't want to, you to come in because you're bringing light. You're going to expose everything that's going on. This is the reason why the world hates us. First John chapter three, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of debt into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in debt. Powerful, powerful scripture. I'm going to read that again. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. <laughs> are we surprised? Man, I think some of us are. Like We can't handle it that people don't like us because of our faith. We can't handle it, man. It, it, it ruins our day. But the Bible says, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of debt into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in debt. Jesus said in John uh, chapter 15, verse 18 to 20, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the world, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus said it himself. And so the reason I'm reading these scriptures is because we got to understand that the world that we're living in, they're not going to embrace us. They're not going to embrace us. And so that means in my mind that the family of God becomes even that more important that we have unity in the body of Christ, that we are not ripped apart by the spirit of this age, but that we have true and genuine love for one another. 
The Apostle Paul said this. He said, but thanks be to God who always leads us in tri triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. <laughs> For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one an aroma from death to death to the other aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? The world is never going to like us. And really, they shouldn't. They're living in darkness. Now, we want them to be saved. We want to share the good news of the gospel. Because God's desire is that they will be saved. But at the same time, we can't neglect the body, the brothers, the sisters in Christ. We got to know each other. We got to be together. Peter said, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are, they are surprised, talking about the world, the world, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses and dissipation. And they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The world is surprised that, you know, we're, we're holding to biblical standards. How dare you? Like, why don't you accept this person just for who they are? You know, they can love who they want to love. They're appalled that we as Christians, they're surprised that we're saying, no, we got to stand on the word of God. <laughs> it's surprising to them. You know, that, that we're not carrying on and doing the same things that they're doing. <laughs> Again, he said, for the time already passed, it's sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Having pursued a course of sensuality. We used to do that. Lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties. We used to do that. And abominable idolatries. And all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excesses and dissipation. They're surprised. They are literally surprised at holiness. <laughs> and this should be the case. The world should be in a state of perpetual surprise when they gaze at the people of God. Man, sometimes they're not because we're doing the same things that they're doing. They should be surprised that we are holding to the biblical standard. But a lot of times they're not because we look just like them. We are supposed to be a peculiar people. And this difference will not endear us to the world. We are not. When we are not close as family, as the family of God, we lose an important element of accountability that's needed. Lastly, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any excesses or any trespasses, I'm sorry, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. Look, bottom line, we need each other in the family of God. Let's get together. Know who you're fellowshipping with. 
This is Aaron Addisons. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless.